children may be dismissed with our volunteers in the back for Children's Church. For those who remain, I will invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We are in the middle of a series called We Are His. We're looking at gospel principles for Singleness, marriage, parenting, sex, and life together in the family of God. We come now to this principle of mercy. Looking at Galatians chapter 5, we'll start in verse 16. This is God's word. But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by The Spirit, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law. Of Christ. This is God's word. Let's pray that He would teach us this morning. Heavenly Father, have mercy on us that we might not be those who live according to the works of the flesh, that receive their just condemnation, but that we might live by the Spirit and bear His fruit as those who belong to Christ Jesus. We cannot do this. We need your mercy. Give that to us, not for our sake, but for the sake of Christ, who gave himself for us. We ask it in his name. Amen. So when we consider this theme of mercy, it's right that we should begin with our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his Sermon on the Mount said this, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. 
And this means a lot of things, not the least of which is this. If we can learn anything from this saying of Christ, it's that the blessing of God to his people is channeled through mercy. The blessing of God to his people is channeled through mercy. Not power. Not governors, not success, not conformity, not worldly glory, mercy. And this text in Galatians is an illustration of what it looks like to live out that mercy tangibly in our relationships with one another in the body of Christ. And so we're going to take a look at this this morning to see what we need to know about mercy. That we might live as merciful people who have the mercy of God that he might be glorified in us and through us. So we're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at how mercy means we are to be led by the Spirit. Mercy means we are to live by the Spirit. And mercy means we are to love by the Spirit. The first thing I want us to consider as we focus on verses 16 through 23 is that mercy means we are to be a people who are led by the Spirit. And what that means, if I were to define mercy the way Paul Tripp does in his book on parenting, it would be to say that mercy is a tender-hearted disposition toward those in need. As you you consider that, you, you have to grapple with the fact that our natural tendency is not to be merciful. Our natural tendency is to be people who abound with criticism, who seek out conflict, who judge and dismiss. I mean, you think about the the last time somebody cut you off in traffic. Like, were you merciful in your disposition toward them? Were you tenderhearted? Or, or just think about when you get that text message out of the blue from someone close to you that says, we need to talk. You gotten that text message before? Where does your mind go? Not to, oh, I can't wait for this conversation. It'll be awesome. They must have wonderful things to share with me. You're like, oh no, what's happened? What's going on? What did I do? And for all of you smarty pants who are thinking of texting me, we need to talk. I'm just going to ignore it. We are not naturally inclined to have a tender-hearted disposition towards others. You see this in the, the contrast that Paul makes between the works of the flesh and the, the works of the Spirit. 
The fruit of the Spirit. The, the works of the flesh. Just think about them. This sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. None of these are characterized by a kind, tender-hearted disposition towards others. They are selfish. They are judgmental. They are steeped in conflict and abuse. But the fruit of the Spirit is characterized by the heart of Christ to his people that abounds with mercy, that is full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is a, a disposition towards others and to the Lord that isn't selfish, that isn't judgmental, that isn't destructive. But it is a heart for others. We need to be tempered by the mercy of Christ, that our heart for others would reflect Christ's heart for others. Where do you need tempering? By the mercy of Christ. Softening. Transformation. Where do you need the mercy of Christ to step in and teach you to bear new, better fruit? For those of you who are married... Sometimes the counsel goes out, well, just, you just got to let it go. You just got to overlook it. You just got to, like this, this call to mercy, this call to tenderheartedness is not a call to being wishy-washy. It's not a call to be a pushover. It's not a call to ignore those things are, that are destructive and horrible. That would not be merciful. But in engaging with those things, engaging with your spouse, engaging with those who are close to you, even when they are in the wrong, even when you are in the wrong, even when it seems that things are crumbling, is your heart towards them tender, seeking their good, looking for their building up? Is it merciful? For you parents, this might look like in your discipline that there ought to accompany the words of criticism, words of encouragement. That you ought to show, even in those moments of discipline, when when you are trying to, to teach and instruct your children that this way leads to destruction, Show them the way of mercy as well. Your your vision for who they might become in Christ. That they might know your heart towards them isn't just consumed with condemnation, but abounds with tender-hearted mercy 
that is unwilling to let them go down the road of destruction without a word of correction from you. For those of you, maybe you don't have a spouse to concern yourself with, or you don't have children that occupy your time or attention, but you've got conflict with people somewhere, somehow. And if you don't have it now, just wait. There's going to be a fight over the last piece of lemon pie, probably. (laughs) You're going to find it. And there are going to be those hard moments in our temptation in this world of social media where you can just block people, mute people, and and have nothing to do with those people that that make you feel bad or that that abound to you with criticism or, or destruction or judgment or whatever. You, in mercy, have an opportunity to step into that conflict with tender-hearted construction, encouragement, reconciliation, but you can't do it on your own. And maybe rather than cutting off, walking away and ignoring, you need to be bathed in prayer before, during, after those hard conversations so that the way you step into them isn't to destroy, but is characterized by mercy. What would it look like for us as a church to live out this tender-hearted disposition towards others, towards one another? To be a people that when visitors walk in, they wonder at the fruit they see because it reminds them of of something glorious and wondrous that can only be from God? Or do we criticize and condemn and exclude and destroy? Or do we have a tender-hearted, merciful disposition towards others? We need to be led by the Spirit. In this, because the Spirit abounds with mercy. The fruit that the Spirit produces is merciful. And if we are to be a people who are led by the Spirit, we need to be led deeper and deeper and deeper into the mercy of God. And the reason we need that is because. If mercy means that we live by the Spirit, we have to recognize that no one, no one shows mercy, no one gives mercy, no one manifests mercy to others quite like those who have received it from the Lord. There is a temptation when we confront our shortcomings to think that we need to double down, we need to try harder. And, and I don't want to dismiss all talk of effort, but, but the idea that we could just grit our teeth and become more merciful on our own is foreign to the Scriptures. I mean, maybe after our Thanksgiving meal today, you're going to be thinking, whew, I didn't wear the stretchy pants today. I need to get into the gym. 
We're going to have leg day on Monday. We're going to have arm day on Tuesday. We're going to have cardio on Wednesday. And on Thursday, it's going to be wing day. And on Friday, it's going to be jetpack day. Right? I kind of want to join that gym, actually, right? Like the idea that I could just work out and, and grow wings and fly. That, that I was made to fly around in a jetpack. Like there are some things that are impossible for us to achieve on our own. But what we read here in verse 24 is that those who belong to Christ Jesus, they have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They are dead to those old ways. They are dead to the old man. They are dead to the past. And then it says, now, if then we live by the Spirit... It's going to look different. It's a new life. We have been raised in Christ to something new and glorious. And so we shouldn't be content to exist in the old ways, always being conceited and selfish, provoking one another, trying to to just get our own way, or even envying one another, wishing that we had it as good as they do. That should no longer characterize us as we live by the Spirit. We should be characterized overflowing with the same mercy that we have received, that God could look upon us in all of our wretchedness, in all of our failure, in all of our misery, in all of our sin, with all of our shame, in all of the things that we have done to bring disrepute to his name. And he can say, those things are dead and buried and gone in Christ. Because he bore those things in his body. And he was crucified on the tree. And when he walked out of the grave in newness of life, those old things were no longer there to see, but only the glory of a new life in Christ. And that life he gives to us. He sends his spirit to bring that life to us and equip us to live and walk and follow him. And if you have received that kind of mercy that could could clear the way for you to step into the very presence of God, something that you could never deserve, something that you could never earn, something that you could never manufacture on your own, if that mercy from God clears the way for you to bask in his glory and his fatherly pleasure, how can you hold that mercy in conceit? And selfishness and be content to just provoke those around you. How can you not then also abound with that same mercy? That is the life that Christ has called us to. He frees us to live, to walk in step with the Spirit. To abound with His mercy to those around us. How? How does the mercy of Christ free us to be merciful to others? Think about this in all of your relationships. For those of you who are, who are married, this can be especially hard because no one knows your failures like your spouse. 
No one knows how deeply wicked you can be like your spouse. And the mercy of Christ frees you to step into that and confess it and to own it and to kill it and to not let the old enslave you. The mercy of Christ, in fact, can fuel your response to your own spouse's wickedness and failure. So that you don't have to respond with condemnation, with ostracizing them, with shunning them, with destroying them, with getting your vindication over them. You, knowing the very mercy of Christ, can abound to them in confession and forgiveness with gentle mercy. Without the mercy of Christ, this is a grit your teeth and try really hard to overlook all of their faults sort of effort. And I won't speak for you, but I imagine that there are times when my wife has wondered how someone so wicked could possibly be called to, not just called to pastoral ministry, but get away with it. She knows the mercy of Christ. And when I see that mercy, it frees me to reflect that mercy back. Do you have that? Do you have a sense of what Christ has given you that overflows? You can't hold it in. You can't keep it back. You have to abound with it towards those closest to you. Parents, this might mean that that you, you can't be content to just correct the behavior, that you have to dig deeper. You have to look into the heart. You have to see what is behind this. Do my children know? Do they know the glorious mercy that is available to them in Christ? And do they know about that from how I respond Or do they only know the judgment and condemnation and wrath of God because of how I respond? Those of you who are single, the mercy of Christ frees you from using people selfishly in conceitedness or envying those who you think have have it better than you because one you know that if Christ would show this much mercy to you, that he would welcome you into his heavenly places, then you know that he isn't holding back that mercy in your present status now. Maybe you long for marriage. Maybe you don't. Either way, Christ hasn't abandoned you. He is not abounding to you with anger and malice, but with kindness and mercy. To what end? That you might be drawn ever closer to him. 
And it frees you when you see the Lord bless those around you with things that you may not have, that you don't have to envy them. You can rejoice in Christ with them. That God would see fit to be so kind to them too. And it frees us as a church to encourage one another. Not with empty words. It's all right. Don't worry about it. I haven't even thought about it. It's not a thing. But with the very encouragement of Christ, do you know who you are in him? He's put to death the old, and he's raised us to newness of life that we might live by the Spirit in tender-hearted disposition towards others. And, and this is important because mercy means that we love others in the power of the Spirit. Riffing on David Pallison in this, but he defines mercy something like this. Mercy brings good Gospel good to bad situations. Sometimes we think that when we know Jesus, when we receive his mercy, that all the bad things go away. My marriage is perfect. My children are perfect. My job is perfect. There are no troubles. There's no sickness. There's no, no pain. There's no, no trouble at all. That's not ever what he promises. When God abounds to us with mercy, he is giving us something to take places. Nobody picks up a flashlight, nobody who is serious about using that flashlight, and runs around outside in the noonday sun looking for their car with the flashlight. It's right there. The panic button will be more effective than that flashlight at finding where your car is parked. Where do you take? You take a flashlight into the dark places. When God gives mercy to his people, it's so that they will take it to the dark places. Brothers, he says in verse 1 of chapter 6, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now you might read that and think, well, I'm not really spiritual. That's not You who are spiritual means You who live by the Spirit. You who are led by the Spirit. You who have been given the Holy Spirit and bear His fruit. You all who are the members of the body of Christ, you should restore Him. A spirit of gentleness. Because God has given you mercy to take into the hard places. And you don't have to look far to look around and see people who are caught in transgression and sin. And not just caught like, oops, I found you out, but like trapped, enslaved. They don't see a way out. It's too dark. They've become blind and ensnared by their own idols. Why has God given you mercy? If not to take it into that dark place that they might have the light of Christ to give them sight to see the way to freedom. This is why we can bear one another's burdens. This is why it fulfills the law of Christ. Because as we live in mercy to one another, we live as Christ. 
and we are formed in him. What are some specific ways that we can be merciful to one another? Maybe it starts with just being willing to step into the hard places where mercy is needed most. Maybe that's in your marriage. Maybe that's with your parents. Maybe that's with your children. Maybe that's with your neighbor. Work. And you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know all the things. You don't have to even fix the problems. What does it look like for you to step into those places and just be a light? That there is one who has all mercy, who has all life, who is able to take all of the things on himself. That your relationship with your creator might have no hindrances whatsoever. For you parents, it might look less like reacting to your children. More like thinking of yourself as a a first responder, the the paramedic. When the the issue arises, when the the tantrum erupts, when the the problem, when the skinned knee forces them to cry out, like you're there, yes, to deal with whatever is on the surface, but, but, but for the purpose of bringing healing, you are the first responder there that God himself has put there that they might know his mercy. might look like we don't treat opportunities to shine light into dark places as hassles. Oh, I wrote that down and I thought about not including that in my sermon because it's really easy when it's your job to just, oh, there's another one, there's another thing, there's another thing. And you get a little glimpse into my dark, sinful heart. What if they're not hassles? What if there are people that God has brought into our life that they might have sight of mercy, that you might have the privilege, the opportunity to be that light? What if it wasn't a hassle at all? Inconvenient, difficult, requiring patience and long-suffering, but not a hassle. It might look to like us as a church being willing to commit to, to the process of mercy, right? Mercy, God's mercy wasn't given to us one time, was it? It's, it's a daily, moment by moment, constant stream. It's a process of, of molding and shaping and forming us more and more in the likeness and image of Christ. What would it look like for us as a church to be committed to that process? When we look at people and well, they they just can't get their lives together. They just can't get it right. They can't they can't work it out. Did you all at once? 
Write a book because we will buy it and follow your foolproof plan. What would it look like for us to commit to that constant stream of mercy and being willing to be used of the Lord to be salt and light in people's lives? Look, maybe this feels like too much to handle. Maybe, maybe you have yet to really see the depth of your need for mercy. Maybe you've seen your depth of need for mercy and you're like, there's no way I can be this to other people. Either way, the counsel is the same. You need to look to the Lord. Because the one who calls you to be merciful, the one who commands you to be merciful, the one who says, I will bring blessing into the world in as much as you live out this mercy, he says I will give them mercy. I will provide all that they need. Sometimes we read this and think, this isn't me earning. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And if I want to get mercy from God, I need to be merciful to others. And we miss the deeper reality that God, who calls us to this great and glorious walk, gives us everything that we need to live it out. He calls us to be merciful. And he abounds to us with the very mercy we need to do it. And if you feel lacking, if you feel ill-equipped, if you feel like you need more, he has it. Go to him and know the mercy of God that you might be merciful to others. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would show us afresh and anew your mercy. We need it desperately, Lord. Our failures are beyond number. Our shame is a burden upon us. And it's so easy to see all that we lack, that we lose sight of all that you have. Help us to see Christ exalted before us, to know the depth of his mercy for us, that we might be set free to live as those who love to bring mercy to the dark places. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.